0: but I like to be able to see you so you guys over there in the South Hall I like to be able to include you so um, those of you on the desk I hope you can cope with all of that moving about so I want to take you on a little journey of your imagination for a moment it's not going to be too hard we're talking about the impact of a particular people in a particular place at a particular time a particular group of people So I want you to imagine that you live in a small town or village. Hmm, that's probably not going to be too hard, is it? Okay? I want you to imagine, though, that in this village or small town that you live in, there is only one rule. And that rule is that you must not smile at anyone. Now that's actually not too hard to imagine, because for so long we've been wearing face masks. I want you, in your imagination, to think what it would feel like to live in such a society. You can see people, you can look them in the eye, but you cannot smile at them. You must not exchange a smile. What would that feel like? It would feel very isolating. It would make us feel very suspicious and maybe concerned about what our neighbours and friends think of us we might begin to feel insecure and anxious. And surely we have been feeling those things at the times when we've had to wear masks. But this isn't really about masks. I want you just to think that in that little society where there's that one rule, what would be the impact of a small group of people coming to live in that village or community who began to smile who began to break the rules very soon there'd be a lot of conversation around whether people should or shouldn't smile well it seems like a good thing to do but we've never done it before around here oh who knows where it might lead to oh my i know that's a kind of ridiculous illustration But it's a kind of illustration of what's happening in the Bible passage that we just read from Acts, because there is a small number of Christians who have moved into this town called Ephesus, and they've come with a completely different set of beliefs. And the impact that they've had in that little community is a bit like that imaginary group of smilers that I tried to describe to you. People were intrigued. They wanted to know what it was that made them different. Some of them argued, some of them disputed whether or not the way they saw the world was right or true. So those early Christians were carrying with them a message, some good news, and this was the good news The good news was that God has come into the world in the person of Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. You can know the character of God. Not only did God come into the world, but God came into the world and fixed the world's biggest problem, which was the problem of death and sin. So that's the message that they had. So no wonder they're smiling They've got God in the world and God has sorted out the world's biggest problem. But not everybody was so easily convinced. In the passage that we read, Paul was discussing with those who needed some intellectual change of mind. For about two whole years he met with them and debated with them. But gradually, bit by bit, these Christians brought about transformation in their society. And for some of them, there was even more dramatic transformation because part of the passage spoke about amazing and miraculous healing, even just some of Paul's garments being enough to bring physical healing to people. So by the end of the passage we see that this message has filtered through this community and actually it results in this massive lifestyle change. Such a huge economic change in fact that the whole world view of this little town which was all based around the worship of a goddess called Artemis all of that was threatened just because some Christians moved into town with a different way of thinking and a different message. And the chapter closes with the whole of Ephesus in uproar and a riot going on in the amphitheatre. Now, ultimately, those Christians didn't change everything about Ephesus. But the main theme of the story is that they were changed, they told their message, and that brought change to other people. Now, when I tell you that as a Christian we're meant to change the world, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you didn't say to me, yes, but how? Yes, but how? Or you might say to me, but where do we start? It's very overwhelming. The world is full of so many crises. Where would we begin first? We only have to turn on any news programme And we can easily give way to a sense of inadequacy and wonder whether or not we should start with climate change or world hunger or or fundamentalist regimes or, I don't know, which crisis should we tackle? So this week, when I was reading John's Gospel, actually, in a different and modern translation, I came across some familiar words of Jesus, which had been paraphrased slightly differently. In John chapter 3, Jesus says, this is the verdict. But in the paraphrase I was reading, it was put this way. It was, this is the crisis we were in. We are in. And that made me prick up my ears because I thought, whoa, what's the crisis? Tell me, Jesus. I want to know what you think the crisis is in the world. Is it the pandemic? Is it climate change? There are just so many crises to choose from. So, what did Jesus think was the crisis in the world? It was that God had come into the world and the world didn't recognize him. That is the main problem. Jesus, in God, in Jesus, has stepped into the world and revealed himself, and the world has not recognized God. There are those who believe, there are those of us who believe that God came into the world to bring light and life and health and hope and peace and well-being. We have this message, we have this hope. We are like those few smiling people in the village, hoping that our love and our actions are stirring up intrigue and making people wonder Let's be honest, a huge number of people out there don't seem to have got this idea that God stepped into the world. When our son was a teenager, he had an aquarium. It's an old illustration, but it's a, it's, it's a worthwhile one. But he did have an aquarium, not just because I needed a sermon illustration. He actually did have an aquarium. and Aquariums are very um, quite high maintenance, especially if you've got tropical fish. You've got to give a lot of time and attention. You've got to keep the water clean. You've got to keep it the right temperature. Um, and basically, you, you don't get a lot of affection back from a fish. Um, they're a bit of a dead loss as pets go. And um, But Matthew, bless his heart, he did everything he could to make his fish thrive. This was a well-cared-for aquarium. But... Every morning, when he went to sprinkle that little bit of fish food on the water, all those fishes would just dive for cover and leaves. Oh, there's that big shadow! They didn't know that Matthew cared for them. They didn't know that Matthew was the one who provided the water they were in, that kept it warm, who provided the food and the sunlight and everything you need. And that's a picture of the world and the crisis that it's in. So many people do not know that God is a loving creator who's given us this beautiful world to live in, given us all we need. And they take their lives and their breath and their every daily gift uh, for granted, not realizing that there is a giver, a creator behind all those gifts who longs that they would know him, just like Matthew longed that his fish would appreciate him. But you see, in the Christian story, God didn't stay outside the aquarium. That's the whole point of Jesus. Jesus became a human being. It's the equivalent of Matthew becoming a fish. I'm glad he didn't, but that's the sort of idea, okay? God came into the world so that human beings who find God very difficult to understand and comprehend would see Jesus and wonder and know what God is like, Now, we've been inviting lots of you to come for supper with us and we've been really enjoying that. And don't worry if there's no more spaces on the list because we're going to put another list of dates up soon. So if you haven't signed up yet to come and have supper with us. We've enjoyed listening to your stories and we'd like to listen to, to all of your stories eventually because what's wonderful about a group of Christians is that we all do have a different story about the different ways in which we got to know God or in which God revealed himself to us. And that's amazing. We have those stories amongst us. But don't ever doubt that those stories are still going on today. Now, this week, in our little village, so earlier this week, I walked into the shop in Sulfur Priors and bought some milk. And somebody asked me if I could baptize her daughter. I was only buying milk. <laughs> okay, right. Well, we'll have a chat about that. That would be really good. That would be lovely. Uh, on another occasion, I was standing up at the allotments. And two people in their late 60s told me that they had become Christians two years ago. They had never heard, had not had any awareness of God in their life up until two years ago. And they were bubbling over with excitement to tell me that they've become Christians. Don't doubt that these stories are happening. Also this week, a little bit more fragile, but somebody had the courage to pick up the phone and call me, someone I don't know at all, and none of us know. Someone very broken who just wanted somebody to pray with them. Don't doubt that people want to know that there is a God in the world who loves them and cares for them and that we have good news to share with them. We need to be like those Christians in Ephesus, sharing that message. Not everybody will receive it. Some people will be argumentative. Other people will maybe be a bit riotous even. But we should expect that we will make a difference Paul's very patient. In that story, two things happen that's a little bit odd and strange. First of all, there are some faith healers who, who sort of tack on the name of Jesus into their incantations. They don't really know Jesus. And they probably use a lot of names of gods when they're doing their faith healing. And they just think, oh, this, this sounds like a good name. Let's add it in. And they get a bit of a surprise they suddenly realise that you shouldn't use God. God is not there for you to use. God is there for us to come to know and be worshipped. And what happened to them created such a sense of awe in that community that lots of those people who had been believers for some time suddenly realized that they probably shouldn't be keeping books of witchcrafts and spells in their cupboard now notice that it was the christians who brought these out of their cupboards and built a bonfire paul is patient they'd probably been believing in jesus and kind of holding on to those beliefs for a little while just like the Christians in Corinth who took a long time to realise that probably sexual immorality and idol worship were not compatible with the Christian faith. When we become Christians, we're not changed instantly. We're not made instantly perfect, but we begin to change. And as we get to know God more and more, we should expect to be continuously changed. So if you've known God for some time then this morning my question to you is, what is the last thing God challenged you on to change? How might God want to be changing you? If what I've said this morning is completely new to you and you have no idea that there's a God in the world who loves and cares for you, then the best kind of place to start and the best change to be at is to simply invite God, that God into your life and ask that you might get to know him better. Open your heart to God as a person, not just a name. So let's not doubt that God is at work in our world Let's not get despairing and discouraged when we look round at all the crises. Let's remember what Jesus said, that there is just one crisis. We want God to be known. Let's be willing to tell our stories as bravely as we can and as simply as we can, believing that our stories make a difference. And let's give thanks and worship the God who created the world, created us, loves us, and longs that we would know him, because that's the most important change of all. Amen.